So I got an email last week. Okay. That's wonderful. It's from Spencer. Um, and he was emailing the band about the songs they're going to be singing. And he said, hey, folks, the theme for this week is walk. So I'm torn between opening with either Walk by Pantera or Walk <laughs> This Way by Aerosmith. Nice. After being walk so torn, I decided we'll just play these songs instead. So, And then went on to list like the songs we actually sang on Sunday morning. But it made me start thinking about um, how many songs I knew off the top of my head with the word walk in them. So I made a list. Oh, of course you did. (laughs) And I'm wondering what songs off the top of your heads y'all can name that have walk in them. These boots are made for walking. Yeah, boots are made for walking. Walk On by U2. Then then you start jumping in. I I sang in too many choirs growing up, you know. So, see a hamba. We are walking. We are walking in the light of God. We are walking in the light of God. Not helping our pop culture quotient right now. But the choir nerds are going, yeah. I know that guy. Y'all know Walking on Sunshine. Yeah. Walking on Sunshine. Walk, walk the line. Yeah, Johnny that's Cash. actually, my go. brain went very country at first. Because I thought of Walk the Line by Johnny Cash, followed immediately. Um, this proves my random and very strange range of uh, music. Uh, walking After Midnight by Pat Klein. Mm-hmm. There you I go. I go out walking after midnight. And then another one that's not as well known, but it's Walk Me Down the Middle by the band Perry, also country. Mm. I had that country stage, and you know, there you go. I did grow up, or not grow up. I went to college ten minutes outside of the stockyards. That'll do it. That'll well, do it. Walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> yep, that was on it. There you go. Or how about uh, it doesn't have walk in the title, but five hundred miles because mm-hmm. I would walk five hundred more. There you go. And I would walk. Yeah, it. yeah. You got Kelly Clarkson. Walk away. You've got. Um, Throwing it back to Michael's love of rap, Walk It, Talk It, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, with uh, Migas featuring Drake, or the one that's been stuck in my head ever since I created this list, which is Drops of Jupiter by Train, mm. where it's got the line, she acts like summer, and she walks like rain. Mm. Mm-hmm. There you yeah. go. Yeah. I, I want to walk and roll all night. <laughs> <laughs> sure. We'll take it. That's what they say, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. And then there was one that I stumbled upon that I looked up because I couldn't quite remember it, but it was like, do y'all remember? I, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a different age from y'all, so this might not have been y'all. She's calling us old. <laughs> I didn't say I, it this time. <laughs> so do y'all remember a? I keep I keep forgetting you're you're 19. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's that's right. Yeah, I'm just a child. You're so accomplished. They, I know. It's right? really amazing. It's so amazing. Uh, I thought getting ordained by 30 was a big deal, but... You know. Nope. Nope. Okay. Um, so, do y'all remember the dinosaur TV show as kids where yeah. there was the Not, not mama. the Mama? Not the Mama. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a song on there that came on once that was called Walk the Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And it's like a lot of jazzy boops and bops words mm-hmm. and then walk the... Everybody walk the dinosaur. Yep. That's the one. <laughs> Anyways, walking is everywhere is what I've decided. Or it's in all of our music, and we can't escape it. We can't escape it, but we can do it. 
Welcome to the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm non-Pastor Michael. We are so thankful that you're here with us on this Lenten journey. You made it back to week two. Woo woo. Oh, that did not work the way I anticipated. (laughs) What happened? Uh, Congratulations. Uh, They left me hanging, but you did not. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, We are on this Lenten journey together, walking our way toward Easter, journeying with Christ through the gospel of Luke as a church family, wrestling with the question, what would Jesus do? And, And as Pastor Melissa so powerfully offered us on Sunday morning, one of the things Jesus did over and over again was walk. 3,125 miles, at least. That's a lot of steps. About 28,000 a day is what it breaks oh, okay. down to. Just that. Just, okay. just 28,000. I think I, I hit people... 20,000 at once, and I was like, yes. Yeah, I think when people go to Disney World and talk about wanting to die at the end of the day, mm-hmm. they're between fifteen and 20,000 steps. That sounds yeah. about right. So, so add eight more on 28, top of 28,000. Or do a lock-in as a youth minister. That's where you will hit it. That will do it as well. So we've got another set of chapters that we're covering today. So we started chapter five this week and we're ending in chapter nine. And I kind of went through those chapters, just kind of re-looking through them to see what I noticed with just looking for that idea of walking. And I just listed a few of them, and I thought I'd hit them real quick, and y'all can stop me if there's something. So in Luke chapter 5, in verse 17, we're hit almost immediately in this reading with uh, the friends who bring their paralyzed friend Mm -hmm. and who lower them down. And Jesus, you know, is rebuking the Pharisees, and he says, what's easier to say, you know, your sins... um, are forgiven, or get up and walk, right? And then he turns to them and says, get up and walk. And so um, it made me think like, wow, what is that like to be someone who came in not walking and leave walking? Mm -hmm. Um, But then I didn't have long to ponder on it because then I hit um, chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. It doesn't exactly say that they're walking, but it says that one Sabbath is Jesus was going through the wheat field with the disciples. And so you have this notion, right? You feel that they're walking. Yeah, we're probably not expecting Jesus to be prancing through the wheat fields or skipping through the wheat fields. <laughs> Grapevining, right? Through yeah. right? Oh, my goodness. Little bunny I'm... foo-foo, bunny hopping through the wheat fields. Yeah, yeah. So he's moving, he's walking, he's always in motion. I do like the idea of Jesus prancing through the wheat fields, though. That's going to be an image that sticks with me. It's but a challenge to our audience. <laughs> if you can create a gif of Jesus prancing through wheat fields, there is a reward of some form for you. And I think it's in heaven, but there is a reward <laughs> oh, for I'll, you. I'll find a I'll find a prize on earth for the person who finds me or creates a gif of Jesus prancing. I'm not going to promise you'll enjoy it, but I'll enjoy whatever that prize <laughs> is. But they're walking through the wheat fields, and it made me actually think about the Sabbath laws, right? Because the Pharisees come along and they're like, hey, you're breaking the laws because you're eating the grains Mm -hmm. as you're going. And I had remembered somewhere back in the back corners of my brain that there's also laws on the Sabbath about walking Mm -hmm. and how far. And these are the three things I found. One, they're really confusing. (laughs) Of course. As laws do. As laws do. Two, it seems like the main rule of thumb is either you stick within your city limits 
or a half mile if your city's really sprawling. But that's debatable, and I'm, I didn't do scholarly research on this. And the third rule is that you shouldn't cross city lines unless it's populated. Hmm. And so okay. that made me ponder upon this because Jesus is out in a wheat field, and it made me wonder, is, is he also breaking a law there? Is it populated? Well, and what definitions of populated exist? Are we talking about the Hearst, Lewis, Bedford, everything merging together in one giant mid-city? Or does sort of farm standard farms count as a populated Mm -hmm. area? And my memory is that people work smaller farms than we think of when we think of farms today. That's true. Because of the manual labor quotient and family-owned and run environments. But, But that's a great question. So then you have Jesus go up a mountain, which that takes a lot of effort. And I really related to that because in two weeks, Patrick and I are going to Big Bend and we're going to go up some mountains. And I was like, oh, I hope I'm prepared. And then he comes down the mountain and gives the sermon on the plain in chapter six. And then in chapter seven, the idea that hit me with walking was actually the story at the beginning of chapter seven of the centurion who sends Mm. his servants. So the servants are being sent and then Jesus actually comes as Mm -hmm. well, right? He goes to the centurion's house because he is so beloved by his servants and it's asking for healing of a servant as well. And the thing that hit me as a pastor is, is that we as pastors are called to go to mm. those who are sick. And it made me reflect on hospital visits and, and the power of what it means to take time to get up and, and walk, well, today to our cars and take it to a hospital, but then walk into those spaces as well. Um, and how the centurion was just blown away that Jesus would show up in that place. Well, and what, one of the things we see in that is that Jesus doesn't wait for everyone to come to him. Mm-hmm. You can't walk 3,000 plus miles in three years and wait for everybody to always come to you. There's an active going. There's a part of being a part of the kingdom of God and ushering in the kingdom of God that requires active choice and active movement and active mm-hmm. pushing. Yeah. Right? A couple of weeks ago in, in church, we talked about how often in the United Methodist Church, at least in the Methodist Church of my childhood, we got about 80% of the Great Commission right. Yeah. We were really good at waiting, therefore, <laughs> and making disciples of everybody who showed up. Yeah. Rather than going, therefore, and making disciples of all nations, you know, connecting the love of Christ with all of humanity. Um, and what we see in Jesus in this and any number of these places is that actively going is a part of what it means to usher in the kingdom of God, to help God make earth look more like heaven. Yeah. One of the things I love in this section, and I know we're going to get to his where the moment where Jesus puts his foot down and plants and heads toward Jerusalem here in a little bit, but in this section of Luke 5 through 9, we see over and over again, vividly in the Sermon on the Plain, verbally, mm-hmm. but also in his action, how Jesus is ushering in a new way of being. Mm-hmm. Right? Often uh, we will talk about the kingdom of God in the Gospel of Luke as the upside-down kingdom. Because whatever you think of the value systems and, and the ways of being and sharing life that exist in normal humanity, air quotes, Jesus comes in and flips those on their head, right? We see it in the Beatitudes at the beginning of the Sermon on the Plain, right? Blessed are the poor because theirs yeah. is the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. right? Jesus comes to offer good news and release and liberation 
to all who are oppressed, all yeah. who are marginalized, all who are put down into a people living under the boot of Rome. This is powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus goes alongside them to usher in this new thing. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty much where we land, right? Like we are now in chapter nine and we see Jesus sends out the 72. And then as he's going, he hits this moment in chapter nine, verse 51, where as you put it, he plants his foot and knows where he's going. And it just simply says... In chapter 9, verse 51, as the time approached when Jesus was to be taken up into heaven, he determined to go to Jerusalem. Determined's a great word there, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, at first when I read the CEB, I was like, no, it doesn't say set his face. But then I reread it and I thought, but this, this says it so well, too. There's an urgency. There's an impulse. There's yeah. a power to it. I Last week, I spent the week in St. Simon's Island, Georgia, with a group from World Methodist Evangelism, a hundred young leaders from across multiple Wesleyan denominations, the United Methodist, the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church, AME, AME Zion, Wesleyan, you name it, in the Wesleyan family tree, they were there, right? Um, But getting there on the day after the time change, (laughs) I had to be at the airport at like 7.30 in the morning. So like 6.30. So it felt like 6.30. <laughs> and and the, the terrible thing is that when the plane landed, I had moved from Central Time into East Coast Time, and so I'd lost another hour along the way. But needless to say, because of the time change, I got out of the house later than I thought I was going to, right? <laughs> and so by the time I parked my car at Love Field and got on the little sky bridge to get to the security first and then the terminal, yeah. I was determined to get there quickly. Right, and they have those little uh, escalators in the ground. Uh-huh. I mean, not the escalators for the scene, but like the, the moving walking walkway, sidewalks. Yeah, yeah, the walking sidewalk things. Where I have many days just sort of stood there and blissfully enjoyed being moved in my own laziness <laughs> down the pathway. But Monday morning, when I was twenty minutes behind schedule, getting and just praying security wasn't bad. I was hoofing it down there. I was determined. I was walking fast. And and by the time I made it through security, I looked down at my Fitbit, talk about steps in a given day. I was on Jesus' pace for that day. <laughs> by 7.45 in the morning, I had 7,000 steps that morning. And that's a record for me by 7.45 in the morning. Um, but I, so I know what it's like to, you know, just in my normal life, and I know you do too, to have determined that you're going to get somewhere, right? And to put your foot in the ground and go. Mm, Yeah. So I think that's what Jesus is doing when he's going to Jerusalem. What is interesting is he's not trying to get to an airplane on time. No. Right? Yeah. He's got much bigger and and, and potentially, you know, for most of us anyway, scarier and, and harder things that he knows are coming. He's determined to go there, but he's determined to go there for a very specific reason. Um, and he knows what that is already almost, you know, that idea of, uh, okay, I'm going to do this. Like I'm going to do the thing that is going to change everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the setting up of the next, of the kind of final chapter of this gospel. It's that point in the story where the where your hero decides, I'm going to go into it and I'm going to do it. Mm. I'm going to do what I was called to do. Yeah, it's powerful. Just in that simple way. He determined to go to Jerusalem. Or he 
set his face to Jerusalem. That's a big, big moment that you can miss if you're not listening to what that speaks to in the broader story. Well, one of the interesting things is it's not that Jesus decides to go to Jerusalem because he wants to be at Jerusalem during the Passover, Mm. right? Yeah. And he doesn't decide to go to Jerusalem. He doesn't plant his foot going uncertain as to what's coming, right? In in chapter 9, verse uh, 44, right, immediately preceding this, we see Jesus talking about... um, to his disciples to to take his words to heart that the human one is about to be delivered into human hands. He, the Christ, is about to be betrayed. And and even though they didn't understand it, the he knew. Yeah. He, he knew what was coming, right? That ushering in the kingdom of God would challenge people and lead to ways that uh, that led to his arrest and his trial and crucifixion. And that's why it's so interesting that after he sets his face or is determined to go to Jerusalem, you follow that up with uh, talking to people who are saying, I want to be a disciple and and Jesus saying, okay, but I'm going to tell you the truth. This isn't easy. You know, making that statement of, listen, this is going to be a hard thing. (laughs) Like if you want to follow me, it is difficult. It is hard. Um, I, I've determined to do this path and walk this path. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, uh, this is a hard path to follow. Right. And that passage of foxes have dens and the birds in the sky have nests, but the human one, but Christ has nowhere to lay his head or, or the idea of, you know, oh, let me just go bury my father first. No, let the dead bury their own. And then the third of, um, you know, let me just say goodbye to those at my house and no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Which, by the way, that's another that's another law Jesus is calling someone to break. You know, mm. uh, the guy saying, I want to yeah. go bury my father. Yeah. You know, the Ten Commandments say, honor your father and your mother. And Jesus saying, uh, we're not doing that right now. Like, yeah. we're doing something bigger. As you read through this, this passage about um, foxes and having dens and birds having nests and the human one not having a place. I'm reminded of the progression that we we wrestled with a bit last week in the temptation, right? Mm -hmm. Where the devil tries to get Jesus by first meeting those very physical, tangible Mm -hmm. needs, in that case, hunger, but in this case, shelter, right? And then moving to other needs that we consider fairly normal and and basic, right? The desire to care for your family, to say goodbye to the people you love, to, to just fix the things that you want to fix before you set your space and time to it, to following in the call. And once again, right, Jesus pushes beyond what we think of, you know, or what we might think of as a fairly normal hierarchy of of kind of needs that would need to get met before you could say yes to something. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder about, as I, as I, listen to everything we just kind of discussed and bringing it all kind of back together, this determination that Jesus has to go to Jerusalem, to a place where he knows he's going to be put to death and not, Mm. and not a nice death either, right? A really painful death in the place of, of choosing to do this in the midst of knowing he has been rejected by everyone. And in the midst of now telling everyone, this is what it, costs 
to truly mm. follow me. Um, and, and he's done this time and time again throughout these chapters of Luke of telling people the cost is high, you know, but it's it's worth it if you go on it. Um, the narrow gate. The narrow from gate. Matthew. Yeah. yeah. I wonder in our lives, have we truly ever considered that high cost mm. and what walking mm. with Christ, right? Because we tell people that, you know, your, your discipleship path, your um, journey with Christ, your walk with Christ, like we constantly use this language of going with Christ and Christ here is telling us what it looks like. Mm. And it's hard. And it's hard. And that, and yeah, that, I think especially when we think about it in our context, uh, in our modern American context, you know, it's pretty easy to be a Christian uh, in our context, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. especially if we compare it to like the early Christians, right? And, and so I think sometimes we can get, uh, we can kind of fall asleep to our faith, even as we are uh, actively involved in church or actively involved. Uh, With Christ, we can fall asleep to those moments of uh, where am I pushing myself to go further uh, with Christ? The sad thing is that there there are times where Christianity and following Christ has become a thing that makes us feel good. Hmm. And while I do think it most definitely, you know, gives us that sense of purpose and makes us feel loved by God and makes us feel close to God and those things feel amazing— it's also supposed to be disruptive. You know, it's, it's supposed to disrupt our own ideas of the world and our own views of others and our neighbors and, and how we perceive God. And uh, it, it's supposed to be something that is difficult to wrestle with. And I think we lose that sometimes. Yeah, mm. in our comfort. In our, yeah, in our comfort zones. And I think that's, what, that's one of the things that Jesus is doing here is saying, hey, you're all in your comfort zones, right? And, and I'm calling you out of those comfort zones. And I'm calling you away from those places and spaces that you, you lay your head, right? Yeah. I'm calling you to say, nope, I'm going to reject where I lay my head and be in a constant state of where do I even belong, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that, that in and of itself is a, hard, is a hard thing to do because we like our comfort. Yeah. We like to be comfortable, and when you said that, it made me just think of, of who would I relate to better if I wasn't, if I wasn't resting my head comfortably, mm-hmm. that there becomes a different group of people right. that I can um, relate to in a different way if I mm-hmm. give up that comfort. Yeah. And so the, this week I, you know, was in Georgia and as we talked about last week, I've given up social media for this Lenten season mm-hmm. in part to care for my soul, but one of the unexpected and wonderful benefits is that it has freed time that I would normally spend in that environment and in that arena. And and Melissa, as you're asking the question, who might I better connect with if I wasn't living in my place of comfort? Um, I got to spend going to and from the Jacksonville airport to St. Simons, Georgia, an hour and 15 minutes with two separate Uber drivers. <laughs> and, and, and I got to be honest, most of the time... I would have spent that on my phone, in my own head, just checked out from that mm-hmm. experience. Because, but because the primary space in which I would have spent that on social media, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, was not available. And I had said to myself, I'd made this commitment to, 
you I mean it's a pretty tiny cross to bear, but I'm going to actively <laughs> engage with people in conversation I wouldn't normally engage with. I had two incredible conversations with these Uber drivers in Jacksonville, Florida, going to St. Simons, Georgia. I mean, an hour and 15 minutes at a pop. Yeah. I talked to one young man about the, the struggle of making a living in the trucking world when life is just hard mm-hmm. and, and shipments get delayed and, and the sinking of one ship can kill a month of his revenue stream wow. and how he's driving Uber uh, as the backup when he doesn't get called in to pull a, pull a load on any given day. And instead of, you know, he's making a tenth of what he would do driving trucks, driving the Uber, but and the struggle that that places on his family and the wrestling that that causes him to do with faith and where is God in the midst of this and how does this work? I'm not open to that yeah. if, if I'm in my digital space, in my digital world for that hour and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But because I'm, I'm willing and, and have chosen to sacrifice that space of my life for this season, I was able to have an amazing conversation with this guy. Yeah. And the Uber driver coming home was a guy whose context was radically different than mine. He's a 25-year Air Force vet who'd lived, you know, born in St. Louis, lived in Georgia since he retired, you know, 75-year-old African-American guy who was still driving Uber because he needed the money. Mm-hmm. And yet, by the time I got out of the car, he was giving me a testimony to, <laughs> as to why the next weekend he wanted my prayer because he was going on a Kairos uh, prison ministry visit and speaking over and over again about how when he stepped out of his place of comfort, right, the structure and order of a lawful, orderly life and went where God was calling him, the transformation that was taking place in that moment. I miss both of those. Yeah. If I'm in my normal, normal social media world, right? Yeah. But we like chatted for an hour, hour and 15 solid both ways because of the space created by an intentional Linton fast choice. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, this is actually, it's such a great picture of what, of one of the things that Lent is, that idea of Lent being a time that reminds you uh, that your head shouldn't have that pillow, right? Mm-hmm. That you're, that you're, that your life should, uh, it, it can be a time where we remind ourselves that we, we are out with Christ wandering mm-hmm. uh, and taking ourselves out of certain comfort zones. Whether we're getting you know, rid of something or taking something up, we're changing uh, a, a certain pacing of our life, which is, which is good. And the crick in our neck reminds us of that every day when Indeed. we've taken the pillow away. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that we're living in the upside-down kingdom. Mm-hmm. Amen. Speaking of that, how's no snooze button life treating you? Oh, it's terrible because I didn't <laughs> think about I didn't think about the fact that I was starting this and then daylight savings hit and I was already waking up early and then I wa- have to wake up another hour early already. So uh, I'm getting there. I mean, I'm not snoozing, but I won't say I'm the fastest out of bed. <laughs> Just, but you know. Baby steps, right? <laughs> Technicality. 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 <laughs> now, I say this is the guy who quite literally hit snooze five times this morning. So, you know, I have, Sounds I cannot, I cannot judge. I cannot judge. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, even in those small ways, right? Those, mm-hmm. the, oh, I got to get up now. Yeah. Reminds you of why you made the choice. Right. Yeah. It's the struggle. Yeah. Whenever you work with teenagers uh, around Lent time, 
a lot of teenagers will, will uh, they'll, they'll make a decision to do something. And as soon as they break it, you know, in their heads, they're just like, well, I, I screwed that up. Oh, well, that's over. Uh, and it was that thing of just, no, keep going with it. And mm-hmm. if you screwed up, oh, wow, it's almost like you're human. And it's almost <laughs> like this is what is reminding us of the struggle uh, to be out with Christ. Like, it, it doesn't just work like a snap of the fingers. You you have to struggle with it. And, or, and, and within that struggle is another reminder of who whose you are. Thank you for gathering with us this week on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And I'm non-Pastor Michael. If you would take a moment during your week to rate us and review us on iTunes, it'd help others find us. If you want to be a part of this conversation, we'd love to hear back from you. We hope you will join us in conversation as we reflect on where God is calling us next. And now, your way to grow. As children of God, God's beloved, as people who walk in the way of Christ... Where do we set down our foot? Where do we turn our face? What do we say yes to so that we can help God usher in this upside down kingdom? That is, Jesus asks us to pray. God's kingdom come, God's will be done. Earth might be more like heaven. And as you go this week, take this benediction, this blessing that's meant to be with you, to walk with you as you go. May you go knowing that the ground under your feet was created by God. May you go remembering that that crick in your neck from that thing you gave up, this Lent, is Christ calling you into the upside down kingdom. And may you go knowing that the Holy Spirit will go with you every step even 28,539 a day.